Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. All right. I know some of y'all right now are looking at your watches. You're saying it's 11.13. Brother, you got 17 minutes to get this message out. Get used to disappointment. I do have a message on my heart that I want to bring. The length of worship is not it. The worship of God ends when we're done. And it's that simple. But I do have a message from my heart I want to share with you today. And before we do it, I ask you to please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this day that you have blessed us with. We thank you for the family that surrounds us. We thank you for your love that comes down to us and your love that works through us. Right now, I ask you to bless us at this time. Let the Holy Spirit fall amongst your people. Let them hear the message that they need to hear. If, they are, if there are words that I have put together that are not yours, I ask you to erase them, either from, from my words or from the minds of people that are hearing them. And just fill us with your spirit and your message today. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Our text today is Romans 8, and we're going to start off with that right now. So if you have a Bible, open it up or turn it on to chapter 8, verse 22. <clears throat> I have to admit, this might be my favorite, my favorite scripture set in the Bible. And once you turn to it, maybe it'll hit some spots in your, in your memory also. But Romans eight twenty two says, For we know... That the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is not seen, or hope that is seen, is not hope. For who hopes what he has seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, We wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that for those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also, pre, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died... More than that, the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, 
distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is a comforting verse to me, church. Many times in my life, I've gone back to this verse. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it because I've needed it. And right now, this is a verse I've needed. Because it brings me closer to the God that I've needed. Church, I'll be honest. Today isn't going to be an easy story. And it's going to hit way too close to home for some. Please walk with me, even though it does. Because the message of God's love for us is often found in stories such as this. Where the, where the shadows surround us. And the fog tries to darken our very heart. But church, the God I know. The God we know does some of his best work in the dark. And today the darkness is going to take us back in time a little bit, oddly enough, to Christmas. See, on Christmas Day, Amber and I started off the day electronically. God bless technology. Can I get an amen on that? You see, Amber... We started the day off by Skyping with Ambry's family on Christmas as, as they were back in Arizona. And they did their gift giving. So we spent a good hour, we spent a good hour or so. We're, we're watching, we're talking with their family. Um, our presence is, we're actually Skyping with them. So we're on an iPad. So we're getting like handed around family member to family member, which is really cool to see that. And some people just had all kinds of fun with us, but that's, that's another story. But we had this amazing time talking with the family and just loving with each other and sharing stories. And it it was a great time. And it was a beautiful start to a day, church. Man, it really was. Watching children laughing, a family loving, God blessing. It was one of those days where you really felt the love of God. You know what I'm talking about? Those days, those beautiful days. Well, then we got in the car and we went to my family's Christmas celebration. Um, We spent time surrounded by my side of the family. My adorable little nieces were tearing into gifts and jumping all over me and jumping all over Ambry and all over anything else they could jump on top of. And the family sat around and conversed and ate great food. And it was a relaxing day. It was a beautiful day. And like I said earlier, church, it was one of those days. It was one of those days where you just felt the love of God. You just felt it. And when the day was over, Amber and I went back to my parents' house. And at the end of a day where we had spent the day just soaking in God's love for us, we went to bed thinking, man, God loves us so much, it's exhausting us. And church, that's a thought 
that makes you excited to wake up the next day. Amen? Go to sleep thinking, man, God loved us this much today. What's tomorrow going to be like? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's God bringing tomorrow? What's God bringing on the next day? Well, church, on the next day. Barely the next day. At 1.30 in the morning, Ambry's phone lit up. Her mom's name and picture showed up on the screen. And the phone started buzzing. What we didn't know was that that little phone buzzing was strong enough to cause an earthquake in our lives. I don't know how Ambry's mom said it, but Ambry's words to me were simple. Josiah, her 15-year-old brother, was dead. Now, as we continue into this story, I need to say a few things first. I'm not up here to preach because I have all the answers, church. I'm up here to preach because I got the same questions you do. And I'm looking for those answers. That's why I'm here. And I'm not here to tell you how to grieve. I'm not here to tell you how to mourn. I come to you as one still in the valley. Climbing his way out. And who is holding on to God's hand as tightly as I can for the climb. And many of you can amen right that right now because many of you are in the same. I know I'm not the only person in this church that is hurting. And for those of you that are, you need to know something. You need to know that's okay. And you need to know you're not alone. But back to the story. Because you see, to really get this story, you've got to know a little bit about Josiah. Um, well, okay, I, don't, I could preach for like 28 hours on how amazing this kid was, but I'm going to sum it up in a little paragraph here. If you want to know more, hey, come talk to me later. I'll tell you all you want to know about this amazing little guy. But you see, to describe Josiah, it's, we don't, the best explanation I've found for it is this. Let's admit that in Scripture, we don't know much about the young life of Christ. We don't. But after coming to know Josiah, I have a lot better idea of what I think Christ looked like as a teenager. This was a little guy that when Amber and I got married two and a half years ago, he marched up to me with a very serious look on his face and he said something to the tune of, I need to talk to you. All right, little man, what you got? And he said, is it, is it okay if I just called you brother? That, that whole in-law thing never made any sense to me. Just confusing. I said, yeah, man, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I'd, I'd actually prefer that. And so for the first time in my life, I had a little brother. He was completely selfless. He seemed to make each day a mission to make someone else's life better. And I got a, a couple of stories in here. You see, there was a, a, a dance he went to with a, fr- uh, a buddy of his. They, he got his buddy out onto the dance floor and he said, come on, 
It's going to make every one of those women feel like the prettiest one here. That's the kind of guy I can get behind. Genuinely loving other people. He was always working on a project, usually for somebody else. He was always bringing people to church. And the young man could hold a serious scriptural discussion with you. I had a 15-year-old young man call out my authority on a verse when I was trying to teach him a lesson. He was right. But that's aside from the point. He blessed me with more stories than I have time to share up here. He gave away as much of his life. He gave away as much of his love as he could. He genuinely loved people. And I have to tell you, church, I've never been more honest than the words I said at his graveside that were solid truth when I said, well done, little brother. You have won the race. You have won the prize. And this young man, this 15-year-old Americanized version of Jesus, was gone in the blink of an eye. Now, church, when you get news like that, how do you respond? How do you respond? How can you respond? I mean, I know about the valleys of life, and I've preached about them, and I've been through them. But once again, when you're in the valley, sanity goes out. It just goes away. Here we are in the valley looking up at the walls that surround us like a prison, saying, okay, God, here we are. I'm looking up for help. Where are you? How do we respond to God in times like this? When we can't even find the words to say. With Amber and I, we just had a God moment. We had a God day. Christmas day was full of blessings and love and family and joy. We had that God moment that so many of us seek every day. We had it. Life was good. We couldn't imagine life being any better than it was. It was complete. It was happy. We felt so close to God. We felt so in tune with God, so loved by God. It was so easy to praise God at that time, church. So easy to love God. And then this, this? How do you respond? Church, let's, let's own up to this. Few things in life have as much power as death. And there is no pain like a broken heart. The pain is real. Because pain has power. And that power will try to destroy you. I've buried more than my share of family and friends. Between my freshman to sophomore year of college, I went to over 20 funerals. At the age of 27, I buried my best friend. Been to my share. And in saying that, I say that only to let you know that I stand amongst you in our pain. Knowing that pain has power. But knowing that pain has power, church, we have to remember that pain does not have all of the power. See, broken hearts are not all that I saw in Arizona, church. On the darkest of mornings, I saw the most beautiful morning 
done by a family of faith. Do you want to know what I saw? Let me tell you what I saw, church. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. I want you to go with me to Arizona for a minute, church. I want you to park the car, get out in the parking lot, step out of the car, get onto the walkway, see the trees on the side, see the church in front of you, see the green grass on the sides, feel the cool breeze and see the beautiful sun shining down on you. And take this walk with me through the parking lot, through the area in front of the church as the people gathered together and enter into the building with me. And I saw... A church completely full. With people standing in the back. I saw people hugging and greeting each other. I saw people dressed differently. Some were in suits. Some were in more comfortable clothing. I saw the speaker ready to go. I saw the sound system powered up. I saw the video projector going. And I looked around more closely. And I saw tissues balled up in people's hands. I saw eyeliner smudged and mascara running. I saw grown, tough men with their heads and their hands weeping like they were young boys again. This was what I saw at the funeral for Josiah. And this was the second funeral for a child of the Abbott family, as they had previously lost another brother, Corbin, to an accident at a very young age some years ago. Now, as we we are in the church and as we walked up to the casket, I saw the rest of the family sitting together at the front pews. And we sat down next to Ambry's parents and the rest of the family. And the service began. As the service began, Ambry was feeling the pain of her little brother, and you could see it on her. And all the brothers and sisters were feeling the pain, too, and you could see it on them. And the mother and father, Robert and uh, Rennell and Robert, you could see the pain in them. And the service began, and the church began to sing. And the church began to sing the song, Blessed Be the Name. And the lyrics are, Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say. And as the church began to sing the next line, blessed be the name of the Lord, Ambry's father, Robert, stood up singing and clapping to the beat, and every soul in that church rose to join him. And there I was, still sitting in the pew. 
I'm sure it was for just a, I'm sure it was for just a few seconds, but it felt like an eternity. My mind froze. My life froze right there. I sat there listening, wondering, like, how do you sing this? How do you sing, blessed be your name in the time of pain? This isn't the time for joy. This is the time for pain. This is the time for suffering. This is the time for dealing with the tears and the crying and the moans and the groaning, right? How do you stand up and say, blessed be your name? It was because I learned something from Robert that day, church. That moment was not about the pain. That moment was about the God. It's as if the shadow of death stood over the event, staring Robert, trying to break him, almost taunting him. And he looks back and says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You do your worst because I'm going to do mine and God's coming with me. That's faith, church. What I saw of him standing and the church standing behind him was beautiful. It was symbolic of the church standing with the hurting family. But more than that, I watched a man who had just lost his second son at a young age still find the strength and have the desire that in the midst of his pain in the valley of the shadow of death stands and sings, Blessed be your name. He says, you are my God. I will trust in you. He says, I want you, God. I love you, God. I will admit in front of all of you and anyone listening online that I have not always been able to do that. I have not always been in the midst of pain and been able to praise God. If you have been in that situation where you were in pain and you weren't able to stand the way Robert was, you need to know something, church. That's okay. That's okay. And you're not alone. But in standing up, he lived out what he was singing. Even when the darkness closes in, blessed be your name. Instead of blaming God for suffering, he is reaching out to God as his healer, helper, and hope. Blessed be the name of the Lord indeed. The power that gave him the strength to do that, to stand, to sing, to say, to pray, was the very power he was reaching out to. It was the love of God answering him. I don't know how he found the breath to sing at this time, but I know the power that gave him the air, church. I don't know how he found the words to pray at this time, but I know the power that gave him the ability. I, didn't, I know he didn't fight off the pain at this time. But I know the power that gave him the strength to bear it. And I see Romans 8 coming to life through all of this. What words do you say in all of this, church? How do you find the words to respond to this? Well, when we don't know the words to pray, verse 26 and 27, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Even when the words don't come to us, church, God finds a way. Even when the world suffocates us, church, the Spirit finds a way. Even when the war seems to break us, church, The Spirit finds a way because that's what God's love does. God's love 
does. Verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I watched God through, move through the darkest of times in this church. <clears throat> I watched God's love move through people in Arizona in the midst of tragedy. Um, a, a few stories here. I, I got to tell you one. This is just an awesome story, and it's a story within a story, so it's a play within a play. So my Shakespeare fans, you love me on this one. But uh, <clears throat> like I said, Josiah had plans. This kid had, I mean, part of it was schemes. Cause he was a little brother in true sense of the word. But some of it were actually plants to build things, to create things, to help people, to bless people. And one of the projects he wanted to do was he wanted to go build like, like a patio for his parents. That was a plan. Obviously, it was not a plan that came to fruition. But in honor of this plan Josiah had, Robert and Rennell wanted to build it. So we started it. Started to build this patio thinking it would be a fitting memorial. Well, the building project continued on for a while, and the family was calling around for prices on places, and they were telling the story and seeing if someone would give them a good deal. Well, Home Depot came through by far. See, upon, upon calling, the manager said, yeah, I, I actually know the story. I, I know what happened. And I was hoping you would call. I was, looking, I was really wondering how we could help. So part of the family went up to check this out. And what Home Depot did was give them the initial pieces of wood and cement we needed for all kinds of crazy discounts. Some of it was at cost, some of it at employee discount, but it was crazy generosity. But the story gets better, you see. We only went shopping for a few of the initial pieces we would need. When the family figured out how much more they were going to need, and it was going to be a considerable amount more. And you got to remember, like, I mean, our family isn't made of money. This is going to be a long-term project kind of thing. But when we called back up, when the family called back up to Home Depot to say, hey, we still, we're going to need this kind of wood, this cement, this, this material kind of thing. Same guy talking on the phone says, you know, actually, I've been on the phone with some other managers and some other people. And how about you just let us know what you need and we'll give it to you. We'll even deliver it. Now, this Home Depot was not a Church of Christ Home Depot. Not run by a church member. I don't think church members had any connection with it. But God can move through anything to bless this church. But God doesn't, wasn't done yet. See, that was where I saw God's love working through the community. Through the community. When I saw the church standing behind Robert as he stood to sing at the funeral, I also saw him stand behind the family outside of the building. <clears throat> I watched delivery after delivery of food to help with the obvious needs. I watched people from their church and the community, and even West Ark, you were involved in this also. Send cards of encouragement. Send money to help with the expenses that you knew were going to be happening. Or just send prayers. I watched God's community love each other. And I'll tell you one thing, church. Few things are as powerful in this world as God's church when it acts like God's church. Pain has power. But not in comparison. <clears throat> if I continue in Romans 8 and I see verse 29. Where, Spall, where Spall, Paul 
where Paul speaks of those conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And once again, church, I saw Josiah's life and death glorifying God. Because I still saw how the Spirit moved. I saw souls turning to God during this. I saw baptisms, church. Not just the baptisms, but I, I saw that people's reaction during this time was to turn back to God. And it was beautiful morning, church. Ambry's sister, Aliyah, was baptized. Her brother-in-law, JJ, through conversation, came out that he was baptized as an infant. And so a conversation came up, and he was baptized. Her cousin, Shauna, turned her life completely around and was baptized. And now she's reading the Bible to her two little children every night. God be praised, church. Those little kids are now going to grow up coming to know Christ. There's also a great guy who's a friend of the family named Bubba who's drawing closer to God. And another friend of the family named Jake opening up his mind and heart to hearing the gospel and has dove into study and will be giving his life to Christ. And if he has listened to this online, I hope you know the water's calling your name, brother. And I say all that because we need to know God is with us through the pain. As relentless as the pain tries to be to you, our God wants to and will love you more. Pain can try to break you, church. Pain will try to break you, church. But it cannot break God's love for you. Let's be clear on one thing. When it comes to pain, there are a few things where we throw more bad theology around than pain. Let's be clear. Your God does not want you to suffer. This is not all part of the plan. This is not everything happens for a reason. Verse 28 does not say that everything happens according to God's plan. What it says is that God can work through anything. It says God desires to work through anything. The world is broken, church. We need to own up to that. The world has sinful power running rampant across it. We need to own up to that. Scripture is clear that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that implies things are going to try to. You ever realize that? Paul is straight up honest with us. That list we get at the end of the verse. Neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Look, I know that anything in all creation kind of sums it up. But do any of the other things sound like a part of your life that has been the cause of suffering or pain for you? What kind of pain are you owning right now? Some stresses about your life or job or bills? Maybe you have, maybe you have a medical condition weighing on you. Maybe, maybe you're fighting depression. Maybe you're fighting addiction. Maybe you're fighting anxiety, or maybe you're fighting cancer. Maybe pain from, your pain, still haunt, pain from your past still haunts you. Maybe worry about your future petrifies you. Maybe death has touched you in some way. I'm not standing here to say that I understand your pain, church. I understand my pain. Your pain is different. 
I'm not here to say I understand your pain. I stand here to tell you there is a God that does, though. And I stand here to tell you that God wants to love you through it. And I stand here to tell you your church wants to love you through it. And our God does some of his best work in the dark. So I ask now, church, what shall we say in response to this? From the valley, looking up, what shall we say in response to this? Looking up all around and only seeing walls of the world seeming to tumble down on us. What shall we say in response to this? When I'm found in the desert place, what shall I say in response to this? Though I walk through the wilderness, what shall we say in response to this? We will admit the seriousness of sin. We will admit the power of pain. We will admit the darkness of death. But will we proclaim that the glory of God is greater? In the midst of the powers of this world trying to tear you down and tear you apart, I hope you cling desperately to the God that loves you as desperately as he wants to cling to you. In our lives, we need to remember that God has more power than our pain. If we will own up to the power of pain, trying to separate us from God, then let's own up to the love of God that is stronger. Remember who it is that we call our God. Remember that our God is the God. Let's own up to the power we call to. We call him God. We call him cosmic creator. We call him king of kings. We call him Lord of lords. And we need to know that God stands with us. And we need to know that that cosmic creator, the king of kings, stands against something. Then the gates of hell won't stand against him. That's our God. That's our power. You know, in a few moments, we're going to sing an invitation song. So, fair warning. Where if you need to enter the waters of baptism or ask for the prayers of the church of the shepherds, that will be available both down front and in room 100, back out the back doors. But, before we do, I want to do something. We dealt with some pretty heavy material today. And there is one thing I know about going through painful times. You don't get back to normal, church. You come into a new normal. We do not come out of these valleys the same people. God's love works on us and we come out different. And we need to remember that as we go through the valleys, we are never alone. And nothing has the power to separate us from God's love. Now, before we sing this song, I need you to do something with me. Because we need a moment of honesty in this church. All too often, when we come in and we say hi to each other, how you doing? How you doing? Everybody's fine. Have you noticed that? Everybody in the church is fine whenever you ask them how they're doing on Sunday morning. So let's have a moment of honesty. If you are hurting in some way, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I invite you to stand. I stand as one of you today. If you are hurting in some way, please stand with me. And you need to know that there are people by you that are not standing. Some because physically they cannot. Some because they won't admit it. But you need to look around and see something. 
What you see, church, is that you do not stand alone. What you need to know is that you never have. What you need to know is that you never will. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. We stand together wounded. We stand together hurting. We stand together crying. We stand together united together by God's love. And God stands for us. What then shall we say in response to this?